0: The first time in my life that uh, um, there is a league that uh, uh, postponed the game for, for injuries. Tottenham toppled the champions of day one. A wow! He's taken the cover of that! A splendid goal from Sean Chung Min, which gets Spurs
1: off to a flyer. Hello, and. Sorry.
2: Uh, oh! <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I was just. So just doing my best to press the coffee button, oh. and then I thought, "Fuck, they're going to hear this." And then I, I <laughs> fuck the intro of your show already. Oh. No, 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 this is good. This, I, is it, <laughs> this is it. Good. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. This is good. This is good. Okay. Um, is it? Is the coffee button pressed?
2: It, can you hear that? No, no, no all right, cool. And then, then yes, but that's fine.
1: Yeah, sweet. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Bit Spursy. I'm Barney. I'm Dad. We have a very, very special guest. The Mr. Hollywood of Tottenham Hotspur, Flav I um, don't know what that means Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know either I just came up with it then So, uh, <laughs> Flav, it's great to have you Flav, obviously, uh, you are the What are you on the fighting cock? Are you the host? Are you the um,
2: Are you the well, say I'm like the god Yeah, and right the, the rest of them are like my minions Yeah, cool no, no, I, I love uh, a Flav that I you've just...
3: like It's like you knock down Mr. Hollywood And then backed it up by
2: going No, no, I'm the god <laughs> <laughs> Um I, uh, I I basically host it. That's that's it really. We we came up with um, me and I had this idea about doing the podcast ages ago, like ten no longer than that, twelve years ago, and, and then eventually I just got my mates involved and they loved the idea and that was it really. And um, so I, I, we're very much a while I, fundamentally I work on the fighting cop full time, so it's my job along with other things. Um, the fighting cop isn't really anything more than a group of lads who talk about football, have a drink together and um, yeah, chew the fat around Spurs really and make each other feel better when things are, uh, are going going wrong and celebrate together and make it better even still when things are going well. So um, I wouldn't say there is any leader. It's just that I run run the fighting cup.
3: On that point, Flav, about making things feel better, I was going to say whenever I feel a little bit down about Spurs, I just log onto YouTube and watch your What It Means to Be Tottenham video. And then everything's all right. Do you mean the one
2: I did with my dad? It's the one where it starts where I think it's like, I fucking love Tottenham. I fucking love... Oh, uh, so this is the bit of social content. Yeah, it was like a short video, like a, a minute long or something. Yeah. What it means to be spe- yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I think... I mean, I didn't write that. Um, Spooky wrote that. Um, and, you know, Spooky's brilliant with words. I don't know if you've been following him for many years, but he's, he's had the Dear Mr. Levy blog, and he's also got his own Patreon as well. So go and sub to him. Um, and he, we get him to be as, you know, artistically flared with his writing as he can be so that we look, it makes us look like we, we really get it where really, really (laughs) it's about Spooky's, this comes from Spooky's heart and we just sort of play around with the words and then, um, you know, deliver the 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 narrative or the narration that you hear, but yeah, all that it, although it's very true and rings true, I wish to say that I I, I wish I, I could say I wrote it, but I didn't. Spooky wrote it, but yeah, check it out. What what it means to be Tottenham? I think we I think we more or less nailed it. That's what it's like for us anyway, and that's the kind of spirit of the fighting cock as well. Because when things aren't going well, like you say, you just need to look at a video like that to understand what it is to be Tottenham and what it isn't to be arsenal or another football club like no matter how shit we go or how, how how long levy makes us wait for transfers fundamentally what we've built as fans and our relationship with the club and how we see our club is the most important thing and as long as we have that no one else can fuck that up for us sorry can i swear yeah yeah go, yeah, for, go it. for it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. So one
1: of the things for me with the fighting club uh, and, and why i like really enjoyed as a, as a podcast is that it, it to me has this like level of authenticity where people are just sort of like chatting with their mates and airing their like grievances about whatever might be happening in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. But there's also this, this I don't know whether it's a lightness or like a an ability to, you know, go on a rant about something and then someone go, yeah, but what about this? And on the, the pod spooky or yourself or whoever will go, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's this like real sense of community and, and like talking and listening to each other, which is just like it's so good. Um, Thanks. Yeah, it's really, really cool. I, I do have one question though. Yeah. The The intro song, is that is that Windy? That Because that, to me it just sounds so much like it could be him singing that
2: song. Really? Yeah, it sounds <laughs> no. like Windy. It sounds like Windy. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not Windy. It's like the person who that is, yeah, is so, couldn't be any more different from Windy. It's unreal. Um, no, the thing tune is sung by my little brother, Alex, yeah, who currently lives in a caravan in Bristol. And he's a singer-songwriter and a fesbian and a writer of plays. And also is our sound engineer for our podcast. Um, when I say that, we record everything remotely now, so it's not really as relevant as it used to be. Um, but you know he he does all the music the ditties the jingles everything musically you hear on the pod we don't use a lot now but now it's typically just the intro and the the outro but yeah any anything you hear creative in that sense is is typically done by my little brother Alex he's got music out so go and check him out Alex Camwell on Spotify and whatnot
1: Oh, absolutely will that intro is it's phenomenal. But I well, also you thought about changing it. No, like, do not change it.
2: <laughs> please no, don't change well, it. Well, that was the reaction. It's yeah. like no, you can't. But it's like I don't know. when you've heard it heard it a million times. You don't even hear it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Like, no. I. Uh, yeah. Well, we, we won't change it. Your reaction to this, you know, was another <laughs> line under the point. Yeah.
1: Please don't. So obviously, like there was no game this weekend. Uh, we were excited to have you on to talk about the North London derby. But the thing is, Arsenal, as we all already knew, were uh, fucking cowards, right? So, (laughs) like, what was your reaction to the announcement that the game was called off and knowing the reasoning as to why?
2: It was honestly the best thing, the best gift that Arsenal could ever give Tottenham. (laughs) Um, the, The fact that Arsenal fans are happy about this shows you everything you need to know about Arsenal. And the type of football club they are, we forever we could lose the next hundred games against Arsenal, and it wouldn't be as embarrassing as embarrassing as as pussying out of a North London derby. They were too scared <laughs> to face us. They were so worried about what might happen in this game that they said, "We don't want to play it. We don't want to play it. We are we're too afraid to do this. We we don't think we're good enough to beat you, or even to play you." So what we're going to do is we're going to use every single trick we know and and every sort of uh, loophole or 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 opportunity we have not to fulfill this fixture because we are afraid to fulfill it the only time it's happened in the history of this fixture one that is supposed to be one of the best in world football one of the best derbies in world football the most significant in world football and they were too scared Mm. (laughs) and it was embarrassing for them It's, it's embarrassing they should be embarrassed their fans should be furious with their football club that they should be that, that they've allowed themselves to be embarrassed in, in 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 this in this way because as a spurs fan I will never forget this there's nothing they can do there's no many times they can beat us they could beat us 10-0 in a game we would we were always turned up we always wanted to play and you didn't you were too scared and it's an embarrassment really like I I can't believe that they did it like if if it was against Leicester or Manchester United, wherever it might be, and they think right there's an opportunity here. But there's so much more to this game, and there's more riding on this game. and It means so much more to admit you're too scared to come into a game and use some really sort of dubious. I mean, have one COVID case, two. Mm. So what? So what is the point there then? That that. If you have a few players out, you can go to the Premier League and say, we don't want to play this because we're missing some of the players. Bearing in mind, Spurs were missing five first-team players. Son, Eric Diane, Romero, no less. Regular looked like he might be back, but he will not going to be fully fit. We were saying, well, let's play. Of course we're going to play. This is huge. We have to play. And they said, no, we're too scared. Um, and uh, yeah, one, no, There's another point I wanted to make, but I can't. It's gone now.
1: Well, one thing, like just based off what you said, uh, for me is that, if if Tottenham had come out and done what what they've done, like I would be so embarrassed as a fan, and so I couldn't believe, you know, looking at Arsenal fan reactions that they seem to be in support of it happening, and like, oh, well, fair enough. I mean, we you know we've had well, <laughs> we've had uh, COVID cases before, and you know th- this is uh, totally legit. I was like, what? I would be so so embarrassed and so angry at the club if they were to use one COVID case as an excuse to not play.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that's it. Would be embarrassing. Mm. It would be you've—you've embarrassed us. Like, what can we say to an Arsenal fan now, ever again? If—if—if we we said, "Well, we we don't want to play this game because we've got one COVID case," and if there wasn't a, a global pandemic, if COVID hadn't affected football in such a way, then this wouldn't have even been a discussion. But what this actually is about is the one COVID, COVID case they had, their injuries, the fact that they've sent too many players out on loan and they've got the African Cup of Nations. What part of that is anyone's fault other than Arsenal? Exactly. Injuries are unlucky, right? Mm. All, but we had five injuries. So it can't, they can't be using that. The African Cup of Nations, you, ch- you chose to buy players that go away for a month every two years. That's your choice. That's not our fault. That's not the Premier League's fault. That's your choice. You decided to do that. So that can't be on us. So that's so therefore, you should fulfil the future. And um, and the one COVID case doesn't fall in line with what the agreement was. The only time we asked to postpone a game was against Wren. And we had, what was it, 12, 13 cases. Yeah. All the other times, we we wanted to play less than we wanted to play. Wanted to play. Mm. Yeah. And then when that so, happens, we get fined and kicked out of the,
3: <laughs> kicked out of yeah. the competition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but in Arsenal's instance, it's no. Don't worry. play when all the players come back. It's just what ridiculous. I would say is, even with all of their players back, we have ours back. Provided no one else gets injured, Romero and Dyer in defence is so much more preferable than the back three we've been playing recently. Yeah, yeah. I think at home with Conte, even with their full-strength team, we will beat them. Mm. So imagine the glory of that—that that they pussied out of a game. They were too afraid to play the game. They were so worried about what would happen on the pitch that they did everything they could to get the game called off, which is typical of Arsenal because of the way they've negotiated in the past. You know, Leopard doesn't change his spots. They used every method, every clandestine method to get into the top division way back in whenever it was, 1913. They did everything they could underhand, behind closed doors, to negotiate their position into Division 1. That's what happened. I don't know if you guys notice the history of this, but they didn't come up on merit. They finished sixth in Division Two and they found ways to, to, I don't know what they were, but you don't get promoted from position six if it isn't about backhanders and money. So they went up, Henry Norris was the architect of this. They then chose they then chose to merge, or they wanted to merge with Fulham and take over Fulham. So they wanted to demolish an entire other football club and take over that that space. That wasn't allowed. being allowed to happen. So they moved into North London and did what they did. Um, so it just I mean it's not surprising that they' still behaving they're still behaving in such a way you know you, if it's intrinsically who you are, you can't not be a bastard <laughs> um so yeah it's it's embarrassing for them, and if we beat them despite all that in whenever we end up playing them,' that's gonna, the story will be complete not only <laughs> did they they cry off when you got everyone back, we still battered you,
1: yeah, we yeah. go,
3: and that'll be like forty eight hours after we played another game and you know, 70 minutes before we've got a game after that. Like it's going to be in our already compressed sort of fixture list coming up. Um, It's going to be tough. But like you say, I think there is that extra motivation there. And we've even seen that a little bit on Twitter from some of the players too, which I like. Because I think like Eric Dyer tweeted out like a little gif about it. I think Ryan Mason also sort of retweeted with something too. So like I think Mm. as fans, like sometimes you want like the players don't really give that much and we kind of, it's really nice to sort of see them also questioning this and, and getting into it. Cause I think it just shows that, you know, they're really going to be up for this game when it eventually does happen as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, just on that, and, uh, you know, I know in the past he's had his critics, but Eric Dyer's temperament and the way he talks and the way he holds himself and the way he never shies away from any political discussion. I, I rate him so highly, not just, I think he's had, had a good season this so far, but just generally, I think he's, um, he's a good person. He's a good, Good player to have around um and he, he just did a podcast recently that just shows him in another light as well just how intelligent and um and thoughtful he is so i can't remember the name of the pod but i'll give it to you after to yeah something like fantastic uh, listen yeah
1: yeah it's really good it's like uh the high performance podcast or something like that that's it yeah that's yeah. It. yeah but yeah. yeah he's so he's so articulate on there and just um just sounds like such a like a good guy. And I don't mean that in like, Oh, he's sees a nice guy. Like in just mm. in the sense that he genuinely is a, is a good person and, and an interesting person. Um, Dan and I were talking about him maybe being, we can't decide at the moment. There's no real standout for like the player of the season thus far. Um, and it could be him, but what do what do
2: you think? Do you have any, uh, picks for that? I'm going to put forward in Dombele for player of the year <laughs> so far. Mm. I think, uh, he's been great. um, it's a weird one because September was such a difficult month. Um, but I think hands down, Oliver Skip would be um, my player of the of the season so far. I just think he's. I didn't. I had reservations about how whether or not he'd be good enough. All right, he was really. He came into the the side very early on, um, and then obviously was loaned out to Norwich and had a fantastic season. I think he was the second. He got. He was second in their Player of the Year or third in their Player of the Year. But for a defensive midfielder, that's you know, it's not no mean feat, especially because Norwich were all conquering in the Championship last year. So I think, um, and the fact that he came into the Spurs side with such, um, you know, the pressure was on him. It was crucial that he played well because if he doesn't, you know, is we, we'd be presented with the similar situation that we had with Winks last year where he when he did play he wasn't he wasn't good enough and that's a crucial part of any any teams um you know you can ca- kind of carry one bad four or one mediocre cent- uh, central defender if you've got three of them but in the midfield you can't hide and and, and skip he he plays like he's played a thousand games um and and on on top of that he has an actual excellent quality about the way he plays football as well so i think hands down skip
3: well, I think even the in the Morecambe game when um, we made the subs at the end of that, and it was like, all right, now time to bring the big guns on. It wasn't like Kane, Lucas, uh, oh, and then this youngster Skip. It was like it very much just felt like Skip is one of them <laughs> as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, um, like there is really that feeling, and you know, I guess as fans we love like a player who is you know one of our own in any way that we yep. can sort of claim them, and um, but yeah, you just sort of see and just how Skip goes about him, so like he. Like, you can't really fault him. And even though he's, you know, earlier at the start of the season, he made a couple of mistakes in some games and he's still going to make some errors. But it's like, yeah, he's kind of like, it's great. it's I feel it's like the, you know, he's like our new, you know, our new sort of homegrown hope that we've sort of switched across onto. I
2: don't know if you ever saw, we talked about this in the last pod, but you saw this, um, there was a, a clip, I think Spurs were playing PSV, or Ajax, someone like that, and he was in in a youth competition. I don't know who it was. It was a top side, and there was or Feyenoord maybe. And they had clips in the um, they had a, 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 it was a they're making a documentary about this youth setup of this team, I think. Anyway, there was a clip of them talking about Skip, and they were saying that that Skip kid is incredible. So we can't get the ball off him. We can't get past him. He's like Frankie Djon, you know, talking about the guy who's gone on to play for you know Barcelona. And you're like, what? that? When you watch it, it's like, is he talking about our Oliver Skip? Because we <laughs> hadn't we didn't know much about him. This would have been about three years ago. And they were just, it, it made it into their documentary. They're talking about how good Skip was and comparing him to Frankie de Jong. And then, I think there is this idea. We all have these inbuilt prejudices about certain, well, everything. We all have inbuilt prejudices. It's not something as a human being you can't have if you are human, right? So the idea of a young kid, I think he's from Hemel Hempstead, Hello hello homegrown, you know, just off the back of Harry Kane, you know, coming in and doing what he did. Is it likely that we're gonna have another quality homegrown player coming through? His name's Skip. That doesn't sound that good. <laughs> so it's he, like he, he looks like an extra in Harry Potter as well. Like exactly, yeah, yeah. He looks like he knocks around the you know the mean streets or rice lip. <laughs> um and you know, you can all you can do is take take it on the face of what he does on the pitch. And he has been unbelievable. And, you know, Conte is is, uh, all of the world-class players that Conte's worked with since he's come to Spurs. He hasn't bigged up another player as much as Skip and obviously Kane as well, but Skip especially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I asked Windy when we had him on about how he gets up for uh, every single youth player that like makes it into the first team or even doesn't make it. He's always so hyped because it's so rare, right? That we we have a player like Skip or like Kane that actually, once they get to the first team, you can see that they are, they belong there, right? Like they're, they're, good they're enough, yeah. yeah, they're good enough. They're ready to play. Like, um, and so obviously the rarity of that makes it, makes it special. But, um, I just, I, mean, I think it was the first couple of games I was like, well, eh, skip. And Dan was like, no, trust me, trust me. He's really good. And then, you know, like I've just been proven wrong by his performances. Like it's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think we all have, but I think, and the other thing is, is it's not just Spurs that you only going to get one or two who come through in like a five year period. You actually make a significant impact on, on your side before Arsenal had Saka and Smith Rowe. They didn't have, they haven't had that many. Mm. and, and you know Ma- manchester city you got foden um united greenwood you know rashford so that's it do you know what i mean so it's the level that we're playing at you know and despite you know our league position and where what what we've been doing over the last year or two the level we're playing at you have to be so good mm. in you know you have to be a, a, an absolutely top tier top 1% of your age bracket in the club to even be considered for the bench, mm. and you know, for a Premier League game, and to get through and then become a mainstay in that team, it's not going to happen that often. So it's not a bad thing that we don't see more youth products in coming through, because it's I think it's fair to say for every club in England, it's different in other parts of the world. But yeah, I, I think that's okay. And, and if we do get an Oliver Skip or a Harry Kane every ten years, then then we're doing well. Yeah, well, I
3: think that when we compare to like, it seems a lot like our fans. And I think I, I presume this is the same for sort of every club, but it's like we we're always just upset with like the you know the low percentage of youth players that kind of come through, and then we talk about other teams and who they've had come through, but we we don't remember the players that didn't quite make it for these other clubs. Like we don't remember all yeah. the youth players that came through at Man U and didn't get into the team or played one or two games and then left, but we just remember like oh like Rashford, we need another Rashford. What, what's going on here? Um, the, yeah. I know the other thing from this week that we've seen a lot of stuff sort of blow up about is about Markande and possibly leaving. But like, again, he's a player like we've, uh, I think I've seen like one highlight of him, Uh, but it just seems like people have been losing their minds about the prospect of like him moving on somewhere else as if, you know, we've got sort of the next Messi sitting there that we're allowing to go. Um, But yeah. Yeah. It just Um, sort of seems like at this level, like, you know, it's such a big jump really to go from like, you know, going up into the Premier League,
2: playing from like youth level, really. It's gigantic. You know, like Dane, Look, Dane's, it's, it's impossible. Like even Harry Kane didn't come from the youth development squad straight into the first team. He was in and around the first team for a long while, for a good year. You know, he's playing... He, Harry Redknapp, he played him in the UEFA Cup. He was very young there, but Europa League or what it was. Um it takes time. And do you remember Harry Kane had 12 loans at, at top clubs in terms of, you know, they're playing good football at a good level. And he went he went to Millwall. He went, it's been well documented about it. Andros Townsend, another one that came through, had 13 loans. Mm. So you can't expect a kid who hasn't played any first-team football to be a suitable backup to Harry Kane. I, mm. I don't say, I'm not suggesting letting him go, like keep him if he wants to stay. But if he wants to play elsewhere and wants to play first in football, he's never going to get it at Tottenham. So then it may be him going, it's not us forcing the move. It may be him going, you know, I really want to, I want to go and play. I want to sign for someone and make and, and, and get my feet, you know, my roots into the ground somewhat. Um, so I don't think, I mean, yeah, maybe he's a prospect, but there are, there are many reasons. None of, none of us are privy to why a player stays or leaves a football club. Um, I would much, much, much rather than hoping that a youth develop a youth player comes in that we actually just buy a a suitable partner to Kane if we're going to play two up front. Like, I'm not really. It's nice getting youth products through, but I'd rather buy ready made players. I, I don't understand why that wouldn't like the unless you have a quality player like someone who's superb and is naturally going to come into the first team. Then the club decides to supply us with the money we have. We should be buying first team players that are already made, I think. Mm. Um we've had we've had we've been starved for <laughs> starved of success for so long that we've got to have at least a period where we're going the the focus needs to be on improving the squad significantly. I don't know if that will happen, but that's what I would do. That's what I'd hope we'd do. Conte isn't gonna be around for three, three, in three years' time. He might not be in, be around in two years' time. So this is the opportunity we have now. He's we're not we he shouldn't no, there is no expectation of Conte to develop the youth setup because he's not going to be here in two years. It doesn't benefit him. It doesn't benefit us. We've got to win something now We've got, or, or at least get back to where we was under Pochettino. And right now that's about that's about uh, buying decent players that improve our first team. And if you can keep the young players happy when they're not going to get a route into the first team, then great. If you can't, then we'll do it with the next lot. Mm. I think, I don't know if that's too harsh.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's more – It's it's a point of view. (laughs) I guess that's a point of view. Um, I guess my uh, question is on the flip side of – well, first of all, obviously, transfer-wise, I haven't heard too much uh, definite – you know, we're definitely going to sign someone apart from Traore, um, which I think is a terrible idea, but Dan, I know you disagree. Uh, what do you think about if that was to happen, Flav? What, what uh, how would you feel?
2: I'd like him. I, I think he's exciting and fun, and and I get fun isn't doesn't equate to success. Yeah. But I think in in games against big sides who are going to try and play against us, having a weapon like Traore in that really gives us a different dimension. Like if we're playing, if we ever have to play counter attacking football, and you have him, then it just makes complete sense in that in that regard uh the other thing would be if Conte wants him then so I mean my opinion is irrelevant I know it's important that everyone gets to say what they feel but he I trust him and Paratachi to make that call if they felt like it was the right thing to do it's not huge money is it 20 million if that's what's been mooted if Doty ends up going the other way you might get, You might say that deal's worth 10 million pounds. You wouldn't have Triori for 10 mil. I think most people would, even if it's, you know, squad about building squad and giving you an extra dimension. Um, we did have an interesting uh, question sent in about um, top four clubs don't buy a Triori and put them as a right wing back. They buy a right wing back that's, that's already <laughs> suited to that role. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd be excited. I mean, like, like, yeah, I think it's good business. Ten million. He has great. If he, I think he could do great things at Spurs. Yeah. So to I me, mean, I get his limitations and his his inability to pass, cross, or finish. Mm. But um, when you've got someone to pass to, in that you know, if you make if he beats three players and takes them out of the game, they that that creates opportunity. They know that they have that, that any team that plays against Spurs with a triary player in it, they know that they have to mark him. They have to they have to put two people on him essentially. Cause he'll crucify anyone on a one-on-one anyone in the world he would he would beat in a one-on-one most times right is that that's his that's his ace card it's probably his only card to be fair <laughs> um but so you've got to put two on him and you know how how much how much of this season son has been absolutely tro- choked in that sort of left wing position where they they know the danger they know if they let him turn and run that's where he's gonna kill you but if you don't and keep his back to ball then he might lose the ball he most likely will lose the ball um, but if you have Troy and Son on the same pitch, they can only do that to one player. So I think it will give us a tactical advantage even by him just being there. If they can coach into him a more simplistic way of being effective in the final third, then we might have a player who is actually effective. And that simply means passing to Kane. Once you've done all the hard work in creating space and breaking the lines, which is really a difficult thing to do, which is what most players struggle with, once you've done that and freed up Kane C- and sons because they can trust. I- I'd imagine, so this is me like really thinking about Traore now. I'm thinking, yeah, she'll really want this, right? Because they can <laughs> trust that Traore, if, when he gets the ball, they can trust that he's going to be able to carry that ball into the final third. Eight times out of 10, he probably will get there, right? Yeah. So if they can trust, they can commit their runs. They can find space for themselves that pulls defences all over the place. So maybe there is maybe there is something there. It was St-, St. Maximum, but I think he would be very expensive as opposed to... Traore would cost a lot less
3: definitely I think it's just a yeah it's just a nightmare for other teams like and I think you get that extra mental battle that you win even when the like the team sheet comes out before the game like if we've got our full strength team and you got Traore on there like I mean I you wouldn't want to be a, a defensive line playing against that like that's just like a nightmare like you say you've got Sun going down one side Traore like we've also still got Lucas in the mix who's not slow so like that is a pretty lethal sort of counter-attack and I think if to your point of like saying, you know, about fun, like there is, I think after sort of like, especially the Mourinho period um, and parts of the Nuno period as well, like actually wanting to sort of like have a team that is fun to watch. I think like I would much rather that than say us, like, you know, trying to play sort of really sort of negative football and, you know, doing everything that we can to get results. Like I, um, I just love the idea of Trevor. I think it would just be so exciting to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, he – I should preface that, like, the deal to me is a good one if Doherty goes the other way. Like, then it is – that is fantastic. Um yeah. But, like, you know, I just think if he beats his man nine out of ten times or eight out of ten times, gets into the box, then one out of ten times he actually passes and it makes it to somebody who can then turn that into a goal. Um, yeah. I love – watch. I watch Wolves to watch him, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's just like – it's it's terrifying to know that this player could be a fixture in our team when there are so many holes in his game, despite the fact that he is so fun, um, which, you know, at the
2: end of the day, what what are you doing apart from having fun? <laughs> That's what it's all about, isn't yeah. it? I mean, yeah. forget, watching football is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to entertain you. Mm. You know, we- when Janola when had the ball, uh, you know – and. I don't know how old you guys are, but to be, I'm being respectful when I say you look old enough to uh, to remember Janola, right? <laughs> so he's um, he did nothing, absolutely nothing defensively. I remember once he lost the ball and just sat down. That's how much <laughs> he give, a shit he gave about defending. <laughs> but I wouldn't change him for the world. Mm. Yeah, and I think you know Traore will be a little bit more, and, and he's not horrendous defensively as well. Like he he can keep shape and use his strength and, and 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 power and no one's taking him off the ball once he gets it. So yeah, why not ten million pounds? If Doherty goes the other way, sounds like sound business. Yeah, yep. yep. Not uh, gonna win us the league, but it's, it's yeah. a move, a step in the right direction. Yeah, totally, totally. I I wanted to ask, and
1: and this is going back a bit to obviously you said Endobele is your number one player of the season, which you know I know. I want to know, were you were you at the. Uh, Uh, at the ground for the famous or infamous walk off or like, because on TV, the way it was edited, it was such a smash glass moment for me where I was like, wait, so Indible is coming off and we're cutting away to Delhi walking off. And then we see uh, Hill uh, Hill. come off and the whole thing looked like it was uh, not directed at him. Well, it was, but there were sort of other casualties there, but were you there? And what was it like?
2: I wasn't there. Ricky was there. Um, yeah. He he. Um, f- f- from from the TV's perspective, I understand what you're saying. Mm. Um, my initial reaction was before the booze went up: is why isn't he jogging? Why isn't he moving? We're mm. one nil down against Morecambe. Why aren't you like get your ass off? We mm. need to carry this on. And he didn't. He strolled the entire way. So I'm pretty. I'm I'm almost certain that the boos were aimed directly at him Mm. not because of his performance I don't remember Spurs fans ever booing a particular player because they weren't good enough yep it was it would always be about their attitude I remember Hassan got booed because he threw the Spurs shirt oh that's right Um, and Dombele got booed because he took his feeling inside him what he, he thought he must have felt dejected and that he didn't have a good good game, or he felt man, perhaps that his opportunity won't be given a big enough opportunity to be good enough. But it was sixty minutes, so he had an hour against a League One team. You should have done it by them. Um, and he he was putting his own feelings before the team and the squad and the fans and everybody else, you know. Uh, and then Brian Hill, it turned to him, and he ran off because he understood mm. that um, Delhi to his. I mean, I don't think Delhi got any flat because he walked off the pitch from the side. Mm. I walk round. Um, Ricky in the ground said he didn't know who the booing was aimed at because he sent some WhatsApp saying, what's this about? So I, I was, like like you, like you said, I was watching it from an edit, from how the TV director edited the footage, whereas Ricky in the ground said he didn't understand what the booing is. It felt like they were booing Ndombele. Mm. But that was it.
1: Yeah, because it was like, you know, us watching, it looked like there's all this booing happening while jelly's walking around and people are clapping him. On the side it was like What? What? And then uh, We'd occasionally cut to Endor ballet, But not for long enough To show how slow He was walking off the pitch
2: Was you watching Was you watching The footage Our broadcast Or was it an Australian broadcast?
1: Well, so we get uh, Optus Sport Which is The Premier League broadcast I think So I'm not sure yeah. What the Sometimes we get yours Sometimes we don't I, I'm not really sure yeah. So
2: I remember in, in ours they, they flashed Delhi walking off for a second but all the rest of it was on Ndombele.
1: Yeah, right. Okay, so, yeah, this was different. This was cutting between and it made it look like Hill came off like about two minutes after Ndombele. It was it was very strange. Um, but I assume that, that now that, you know, we know that he's now training by himself, like that's surely <laughs> it, right? If But <laughs> we can't get rid of him because he's on, you know, X- Mad money.
2: Yeah, mad money. Um, um Yes. Yeah, I, I mean that's how does he get back? Mm. I mean the only way he gets back is if if he uh I you don't hear of players playing on their training on their own and making it back. I don't I don't think you remember what Conte said when he did the when he was Chelsea boss and he said, you know, essentially he'd rather kill a player than play him if he's not pulling in the same direction. Mm. Because if you if you if you don't make it clear that you have this is the way you have to behave. Then the problems that unfold later on in the dressing room are are, are ones that you can't solve. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not this isn't his first strike either, is it? No, you know, we saw his issues under Nuno and under Jose Mourinho, and yep. that's three managers. Mm. So the issue is with Ndombélé. Mm.
3: Um, he'd probably have to do what? like the most Arsenal, so the most like anti Arsenal thing possible. In order to get back in the good books, I don't know what that is. If it's like setting the Emirates on fire or something, but like <laughs> that, I, I can't see any other way for like for him
2: to get back at all. Like it just surely has to be the end of the road. He has to. He has to. He has to go back to Conte and say, "I apologize. I, I'm sorry for my behaviour. I understand why the fans reacted the way they do. This isn't what I intended. But I lost my head in that moment. Please allow me to prove myself on the on the." training pitch and i will give everything mm. that it within those four or five sentences i'm sure any human being would go fair enough let's give him another go mm. so that I, I know things are much more complex and nuanced than than that and i'm i'm simplifying it only because i don't know anything um but if he if he hasn't done that then there is no but spurs aren't in a great position like you said because who buys him Who gets him off our books? How much of a hit do we take on that 50, 60 million pound we spent on him? Bad, bad business. And it's not like, it's not, it was hard. It's not something that that you could foresee. Although there was an article in the Athletics saying he's a great signing if you can get his attitude in. Not his attitude, he's mind right. Apparently there was issues previously uh, where uh, this was the case. So, you know, at the time when he signed, we were ecstatic to have him, right? We all were. So it seemed like a fantastic signing, a statement signing. And um, you can't really blame Levy for or or the recruitment of Ndombele because it was impossible to foresee.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it looked, I mean, that window when it happened looked amazing. Like it looked, it was like, oh, we're doing, we're spending the money, we're making the right decisions with who we recruit. These aren't uh, old dudes that are past it or... Young players, we can hope on. These are young players that have evidence for how good they actually are, and then it's yeah. sort of just all blown up um, in our faces, yeah. unfortunately. Like. Well,
2: you look at how good LaCelso was when when he was at Betis; mm. like he was fantastic. And when mm. you was watching him, you're like, "Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't anyone want him?" Then mm. linked to other clubs. It's just um, people say it's bad business, and it wasn't when we signed him. It was great business, and the first six months of his. Career at Tottenham were excellent, so you know. I yeah, love see. that some
3: of the, like the the responses you get when you say, "Oh, look, we didn't, really, we couldn't have known, we couldn't have that." Like you get some fans coming up and they're like, "Oh, well, you should have done like psychological profiling on him. <laughs> you should have put him through like a seven day like mental camp to like." And it's like, what? <laughs> like
2: how? You should have electrocuted him. You should have electrocuted him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, but look, Man United signed Varane. Paying 400 grand a week looks makes a complete sense because he's a class player, and look yeah. they' bought Ronaldo on 400 grand a week for twenty million pounds. a great player, but look at the state of Manchester United right now there's so many reasons why things work and don't work and players do well and or don't do well and it's just one of those things and the the, the, the alarming thing is is like we have spent money we spent a lot of money on to a lot of players, and very few of them have really shown much of a return Hmm. and I don't know how much money we have it's reported that we have a lot of money but how willing they are to speculate is another thing but it would be a massive shame a massive massive shame and leave us in a really bad position if Conte isn't given money to buy players that are going to significantly improve us because if he isn't and he feels like he's been lied to and it's not wouldn't be Daniel Lee's, you know first time he's Lied in inverted commas to a to a member of our footballing staff mm. that that um that he leaves and because if he leaves, Kane's definitely leaving or at least gonna the same situation is gonna come again. Yeah. You know, so it's got to be now, right? It's got to be now. So it be it'll be I mean, hopefully one or two this month and then a really big summer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. I mean, you know, you've got uh, at least Inobili, I suppose, hasn't done. Uh, hasn't pulled what Lukaku pulled or what Martial uh, allegedly has pulled, but then has also come out and said that he'd never said anything that um, Ragnick said that he had said. Like I'm just glad we're not involved in that kind of like, you know, like at least Dombella had the class to slowly walk off and show everyone where he's kind of at rather than this like he said, she said. Uh, yeah, I think,
2: I think think I think he doesn't. He doesn't care, does he? He doesn't, no. he just doesn't <laughs> no, like no. he doesn't it doesn't he, he he's not bo- he doesn't want to create a news story because that mean you have to do something. Mm. Like, you have to, you have to physically do it and then go through it. It's just it's not I don't think he's a bad person. He just doesn't care. Mm. <laughs> it's fine. He's fine, except that it's we're in a position where we've paid him a lot of money. And um, you know, there are more in, more important things than football to care about, but it seems a shame because he's his ceiling is so high and he's got such a great opportunity to really be a major, major player in Europe. He's got all of the ability to do it, but it feels like he'll wake up tomorrow and he'll be 50 and go, fuck, I should have done something. Or he'll retire with £30 million in the bank and just live the life he wants to leave on a beach somewhere, which is you know, fair play to him. <laughs> you know, the other thing about Ragnick and um, Martial is that that was so weird because like you're right you don't need that story around your football club it's bad enough when things are not going well anyway Mm. but then to have like Ragnick saying Martial didn't play because he didn't want to be a part of the club and Martial then coming out on Instagram saying I would never not play for the football club what all of that was unnecessary the the, the manager did not need to say that why create that situation for such an intelligent supposedly intelligent man and professor of football and all that bullshit Mm. that was so stupid Yeah. It was so stupid. I
1: just can't. And on professors, professors of football, I, you mentioned the athletic before I, uh, in a rage in a, in a blind rage the other night, I, I got rid of my athletic subscription because of, uh,
3: you saved one pound.
1: I saved one pound for the whole year. (laughs) Um, because I (laughs) previously have done this and they were like, pretty much like we'll pay you to stay as a member. Um, and uh, it was because of some article where it was like Conte refuses to assure Spurs fans that he uh, wants to stay. And then you read the article, and Conte is like, "I love it here. It's a great time. I'm I'm really enjoying it." And it was like,
2: "What? what? How? Like? <laughs> what? Oh, are you yeah. Uh, right. You know. You know. You know. Though, don't you? You know what the game is? Um, yeah. 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 I yeah. think that was Charlie Eccles. Oh, I was. It was
1: Jack Pickbrook that that wrote the article. Jack Pickbrook. Yeah. Well,
2: to, to Jack. Jack is. Um, I'm a city fan, mm. right? So, mm-hmm. he doesn't have any vested interest in in being, you know, pro. But uh, uh, having, I'm not name dropping here, but having met him a few times, he's not interested in anything other than the story. Anyhow, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I get it. I got as angry when I saw that. I was like, why are they fucking? It's not just him. It was Jonathan Veal as well. Is it Veal? Jonathan Veal? Yeah. 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 He's a. He keeps fucking asking. He keeps asking about it. And mm. even Alice the Gold, to be fair, he's you know been on the fighting cog. He's his headlines are, you know, they, he not, they, all of these journalists sense and they can read the room really well, and they mm. know what Tottenham Hotspur's anxieties are, fans are. Mm. They know that other fans of other football club are going to click on that article because they don't want Conte to be at Tottenham. Yep. So it's a game, and fundamentally, the Athletic made a huge, huge play when they opened when they started spent huge amounts of money bringing in some brilliant writers, mm. acquiring podcasts, setting up podcasts. I don't know what the outlay must have been, but they aren't going to make a profit for many, 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 many years. So they have to do this, I guess. They've got to, and all the journalists will be under pressure, to, I'd imagine, to ensure that their articles are being read. And Conte, say an article that says Conte is happy at Tottenham doesn't get as nearly as many clicks as... Conte refuses to commit to Tottenham.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think we found that even like if we put up a podcast, like after we played well for a couple of games and um, had a good results, it's like the downloads aren't as high <laughs> as when we've played really badly. Like, you do you know, find that? Yeah, yeah, we found that we found that if we, if we haven't played as well, we seem to get a few more <laughs> downloads, really? but I don't, I don't know the as rest- well if it's something to do with like the majority of our listeners being in Australia and like, we're sort of so far removed from everything that, um, I don't know, because we've got, like, a, I guess a local voice here and mm. yeah. uh, it's kind of the only, like, really Spurs podcast that's sort of doing that over here. Um, mm. So maybe there's that sort of element too. Like, I guess this plays into yeah, a one, bigger yeah. thing. Like, we don't get, like, the day-to-day football things that aren't sort of just on our phone and talking to friends that we specifically know that are into football. Whereas yeah. we know, like, over there, like, it's, you know, a whole nother thing where, like, you, you know, everyone's sort of chatting about it all the time. So
2: um i i yeah i know i get what you're saying and 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 if there are fans of other australian fans of other football they want to hear people that sound like them who understand what following football is from the other side of the planet um Mm. and then there's this spurs voice and this spurs podcast which is um you know is is good and, and can be listened to and isn't just a shambles audio in in terms of an audio sense It's like something that people can listen to then they would probably would go to you there would be arsenal fans liverpool fans united and chelsea fans out there that want to hear what other australian premier league and, and tottenham fans but also you know football followers over there would say so I get that but when we like, I wish that was the case for us like when when we lose we lose about a quarter of our audience mm. and when we win we add a quarter it's like, it can be, it's so, uh, what's the word? Um, it fluctuates. And when we're on a good winning streak, our numbers for the downloads for the pod are fantastic. When we're losing, it's like, fuck, well, we know we're doing this. And it's, we always do it, obviously, but we know that less people are going to, and uh, yeah, less people are going to listen. But I don't, I don't. I don't know... I, I don't know what I mean. I, I wouldn't if, if if Spurs lose. The last thing in the world I want to do is listen to a whole podcast about it. I mean, I'm not I'm not representative of everybody, and and I'm, there are definitely not there are some people out there when Spurs lose that they message us saying, "Please record a podcast immediately. I need something. I need to hear what other people are saying about it." Mm. Um, but yeah, when back in the day when before the fighting cock was a job, if Spurs lost, I wouldn't even turn on the radio just in case they mentioned Tottenham. I, I wouldn't even match of day would be a definite no-go i wouldn't buy new back you know back when i was in my teens you know as we got most of our news through the local pa- the papers so mm. i just wouldn't pick them up for a week just in case i actually caught a glimpse of someone <laughs> criticizing spurs so well, i don't know why uh,
3: well i feel like when that happens over there though like there's probably so much of that criticism happening whereas here like
2: it, yeah. there's
3: so like it can be so sort of remote like Barney's the only person I've met, apart from my old man who's from London and that's how I got into Spurs. Barney's yeah. the, the only person I, I've like ever sort of met personally here who is a Tottenham fan. So I think it's like what, we on do. A, on a
2: face-to-face level?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, where, where do you live? In Melbourne.
2: All right, so it's not like you're not living in Alice Springs. <laughs> yeah. No, there no, are, no, There are, there are other people. We, like yeah, so we, bumped,
1: many... <laughs> we bumped into each other in this, in this field. There are kangaroos everywhere. It was, it was yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh, but yeah, but it's more like here there are, I mean, there are so many fans of like who have picked up going for like, you know, the, um, you very popular <laughs> sort of clubs over the last 20 years. Like, uh, you know, like Chelsea, Man U, Arsenal, Man City, like there's, of course it's very easy for people to jump on that, but Spurs, not quite as much. Mm. So I kind of just feel that like, there's probably a lot of Spurs fans in Australia who they might in their day to day, just don't ever encounter any other Spurs fans. So mm. if something is like, you know, if we don't play well, they might, just, you know, instead of like being able to just chat to a friend about it, they're like, oh, well, listen to the podcast and at least that yeah. might bring some sort
2: of yeah, you know, yeah. comfort to I, it. I, we get a lot of that, actually. We get a lot of people from another other country saying, like, we get messages saying that they really like the pod and stuff, which is lovely. But a lot of them are saying, look, I live so far away and I don't know any other Spurs fans and you're like, not me personally, but the podcast is is my is like my fan connection it's the relationship I have with other fans, even though obviously they've they've never met us I can't engage in the conversation they feel like it's their they the bit of the fandom they they the, as much as they can get is through podcasts like ours and like yours and and others um and which is' it, it's something you don't contemplate at all when you're recording it it's just you're talking the beautiful thing about podcasts and why it's my favorite medium is. You could be listening to something, listening to a conversation over many, many years, and by after a few, um, you know, 10, listen to ten episodes, you feel like you know the people. You feel like there's a glass room, and you're on the other side of the glass, but you're you're in the room with them, and that's what's, that's what's, that's what I love about it. I love about podcasts, and it's it's so weird because I, I do a number of podcasts, not just this one, but others as well, and um, I say things. And people will come up to me and go, do you remember when you said that? Or something personal about my life. And I'm looking, I'm going, how the fuck do you know that? When have <laughs> I, I must have said that, but I can't remember saying it because you're, you're producing four or five shows a week. Um, and, that's, and that's because podcasts are such an intimate thing. They're such a, you're, you know, you're, you're walking along, you're walking the dog, you're driving to work, you're in the shower, wherever it might be, your headphones are on, or your speakers are on and you're locked in and you can't get away from it because of the nature of the format. So you become entrenched in the conversation, and um, and I guess I, I, I think that's getting back to the point about how, you know the relationship that people have, and when they haven't got other Spurs fans around them, it's it's a um, it's a, a really a, a fantastic sort of product of just having a conversation about Spurs. Oh, totally. I mean, uh,
1: firstly, in terms of uh, the um, the per, like the personal nature of it, like I know just from listening to the Fighting Cock that. I think you mentioned something about uh, the guilt of, of cheating on a partner and then you said, if my wife's listening, um, <laughs> please, it's not you. And my response after <laughs> you said that was like, oh, my God, what's his, what's Flav's wife's going to say, <laughs> right? Like, And I've thought about it since, which is insane, right, because we're just talking about Spurs.
2: But I'm like, wow, how's, how's that going to go down? Um, she uh, – so that sounded like – it, i'd um you know i've like got myself in trouble but luckily i kind of know what i'm doing when <laughs> stuff yeah. like that and uh and it, a lot of it's tongue in cheek and that that very much was but mm. if she listened to that she, it would be fine it would be absolutely fine yeah um say a lot of stuff just for for banter yeah. uh, the problem was when i said that is i was expecting i think it was windy and jack were on that podcast and i was expecting them to laugh and when they didn't <laughs> i was like well oh, fuck that sounds like i'm being serious now but it um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. sounds like a confession thing. Well, yeah it sounds like shit i've said, said something look if, if i thought that i would have edited it out you know what i mean it's not going out live so um yeah it's just i i think the good part what's fun about the pod and i think it's something that a lot of other podcasts perhaps don't do is you do you give something up you give you give up we want we've been recording for so long that the idea of just sitting back and talking about Spurs and having a similar conversation every week, isn't one that's going to be very interesting to listen to. But, um, as much as the fighting cock is about Tottenham Hotspur, it's also about the relationships that we have with each other. And we're all mates. We're all really good mates. We all meet up and drink. And Ricky I've known for over, I've, I've known Ricky for 18 years. You know, these are, these, these are genuine friendships. And, uh, and and I think it's important to to be open. And, and while Ricky has said some stuff in the podcast, and he's much much more reserved now. You would not believe like I don't know how long you've been listening to, but the stuff we used to talk about in the early days of the fighting cop before lots of people listened to, and we realized that we we started to realize that there were repercussions to the things we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> people people knew. It's amazing how how you know like the six degrees of separation. So the idea that you're six people removed from anybody else on the planet. Mm. That's becomes acutely evident when you're saying stuff and you'll meet someone who knows someone who listens to the podcast. Like my, my, my missus, she went to university with a guy who listens to the pod and and she posted a picture of us on Facebook. And she's like, he's like, fucking hell, you're going out with me. It's like, I'm like, so it's that close. Like, so I, I started the podcast way before I met my missus. And then there's this, this happens all the time. And there's, you know, a fair amount of people listening to the pod. So you yeah, you have to be careful. And Ricky has really reined it in, really, really reined it in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit of a shame, but it's also important to be open and try and, you know, make people want to listen to it because they want to listen to what we're going to say to each other, as well as Eric Dyer, a great game. Yeah, totally. Well, and I
3: think as well, like the... Like, even personally, like, I don't listen to that many pods that really go into, like, in-depth tactical analysis or get sort of blown away with numbers. Like, the one that we'd listen to the most would be, like, The Extra Inch, which obviously goes into that a little bit. Um, and I think it goes into it a good amount. But, like, any more than that, like, occasionally there's, you know, there'll be some, like, athletic one, which is some, like, you know, extreme breakdown of every single micro stat imaginable. And I feel like yeah. I get through about 10 minutes of that and I'm like, you know what, uh, I'm... I don't care. <laughs> like I, I don't. Yeah. I don't care about that yeah. stuff. I don't. I don't do that. I want to hear no. people just talk. Um, you know, sort of honestly and openly about it. And uh, yeah. if it veers off from Spurs, and
2: you know, you get to know more about them, then it's it's good. Yeah, and and um, the extra inch do that really well, don't they? They they, there's, yeah. it, they they are. You know, they know their football and they think about football in a slightly more academic way than than I do. But there is a, I They I think they bridge nicely the the between talking about football in the way that they do and, and the tactical element and the body shape of players and stuff like that in a way that's still interesting and that's why I think Extra Inch will end up being probably end up being the the biggest Spurs podcast eventually I think over time I just think they they they, they do a fantastic job and and um and uh yeah there the, are the, 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 the other podcasts that go into things to, way too deeply or or will just talk matter-of-factly about the performance each week, but in order for people to come back, you need to do more than that. You need to, there needs to be some other reason other than Tottenham for people to listen to the pod. And um, yeah, I think Extra Inch do that really well.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, yeah, they, they absolutely crush it. I, I find it interesting that, you know, there's, for me, it's like you got fighting cock and, and Extra Inch are the ones I'll go to, to listen to. And then I don't know if you've heard, uh, I know Extra Inch have made a, a friendship with the wheeler dealer radio in the U S who, uh, have like a in terms of like fans that aren't in England, the takes are as close to mine in Australia that I also relate yeah. to. You know, yeah. like it, it feels you know.
2: Yeah, it's a different. It's a different experience, I guess. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, we're yeah, getting up enough.
1: at we're getting up at like you know three thirty in the morning to watch <laughs> watch games and you're out your mind. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's definitely I, something.
2: There yeah. are games at four o'clock. I, I'm like. Fuck! Can I be bothered to watch this? <laughs> Especially under Jose under Jose Mourinho, there were times where I was like I I actively don't want to watch this Tottenham play because mm. it's going to be five five minutes of us losing the ball, and sitting back and soaking it up. And I hated that period specifically the, the last six months of Jose Mourinho. I hated that mm. more than any other period that I've ever witnessed under Spurs. I mm. I, I actively didn't enjoy following my football club. Um. But the problem we had, or I had, was I've still got to create five hours of content around each <laughs> game. Yeah. <And laughs> so every loss, not only every win was hard enough, but every loss was like, oh my god, this has got to stop. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what my point was, but it was uh, yeah, yeah, no. So 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 getting up at three thirty in the morning to watch Jose Mourinho lose three nil to Southampton. <laughs> I, fuck. Yeah, Just, yeah.
3: Well, I nah, feel that's like bad. that's maybe why as well. Like, I'd say Bunny and I, like, you know, in the global sort of, like, fan base, we have a relatively positive outtake, uh, sorry, outlook on things. And we like to keep, like, our, this pod, like, pretty positive, you know, for the most part as well. And I, th- yeah. I feel like a part of that is when you're watching games in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 4 a.m., if, you're, if you end up getting so worked up and like, from a really bad result, like, obviously it still means something to us, mm. but if you get so worked up from that, it instantly ruins your wake because yeah. then you wake up the next morning, you're already so tired and then you're in a horrible mood and it just like compounds more than can I, anything. <laughs>
2: crazy. Can I ask guys, what I can, I understand that. So, so you say we have a midweek game and it's, it's nine o'clock. So yours, you're in the South of Australia, right? Right at the bottom pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. So that's, so 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 we have a game at eight o'clock. What time do you have to watch? What what, what time is that on a midweek in in Australia? If well, it's that's 8
1: That's quite a good. If it's if it's an eight pm game, that means that it is seven am our time. So that just means you get <laughs> that's up. Quite for, a good
2: one. Seven yeah, am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That
1: is honestly quite a good one. Have your breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> like it is that bad. Like yeah, it's. It's more like the late kickoff Sunday games and mm. and Saturday games and stuff too. That's where it starts creeping into. Like I think the the um, Northland Derby was scheduled for three or three thirty a.m. Mm, mm. Yeah, kickoff, yeah. so and what, it's like especially in the mm. derby against Arsenal. If you lose that, and it's you know five six a.m. in the morning, and if we don't play well, like that's a and that's a grim place are you, you can get into.
2: You staying up and going through, or are you are you um, are you getting up and then early, super early. What what do you usually do?
1: Usually, I'll stay up. Yeah, through. I'll stay so. Well. Yeah, yeah, just stay up through and. Uh, just get like, you know, like depending on how long I've been awake for affects like the psychedelic nature of how I'm experiencing the game. I'd I'd imagine you
2: had some sort of quite trippy moments watching
1: some game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there's been. (laughs) There's
2: There's also those
3: moments where if we're watching the game like remotely from each other and we'll sort of be messaging each other like throughout the game, it'll be, you know, four, four, four in the morning or so and then maybe at like 70th minute Barney's phone dies or something and he goes off the grid and then I'm sitting here and if we're losing, I'm like. No, I can't, do I can't deal with this right now. I'm not equipped to deal with this emotion at 4am by myself right now. <laughs> What's happening? I don't know what to do. So like it becomes this real like it's like it's a huge part of our lives, obviously. But um, you really kind of have to work for it to like yeah. to get oh, the games mate. in and watch them.
2: Well, like, if you're staying up and then you've just like it's 5am and Spurs have just smashed Arsenal in the North London derby, 3-0 and then you got to go to bed. Like it's like... Yeah, you can't. What, yeah, you either can't, or it's like, oh shit, I should be out partying now, but I've, I've been awake for nearly twenty-four hours. So yeah. I've got to go to bed. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's—I uh, just finished uh, a fourth year of um, psychology, so for me, any hour of the night was like very suitable for, for watching because I was already up um, working, which was which was good. Um,
2: so, is that—are you going to be a psychologist now?
1: Well, we'll see. Uh, who knows? Is that, that's the aim. Well, yeah, I've got fifth and sixth year now, so. Depends where you're going through six,
2: that. Is that how long it takes? Yeah, six years. Yeah, I mean it's important, isn't it? It's like important. You know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> six six years. is a long time. Um, yeah. No, fair play. Man. And then after
3: those six years, Barney, you'll be able to tell us what has happened to Ndombele then.
1: Exactly. Then. At the moment, no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> once I get there, yeah, once I get there, that'll be brilliant. Um, oh, we haven't spoken about the Chelsea game and we're not doing uh, – Flav, we do uh, the a Bit Spursy medal every week where you're allowed to vote uh, on your best and worst players from the Flav's game. Flav's probably heard of it. Probably uh, you're hands. probably you're probably full bottle on the bits of I know level.
2: exactly what it's, this is all about. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so, fantastic. Yeah. So for the Chelsea game?
1: Yeah, for the Chelsea game, we usually wouldn't do a, a cup game, but I think it's important to do. Um, so the idea is that it's three points for the best player, two for the second best, one for the uh, third best, an encouragement award, and then you can give one, two, three negative points to whoever you think deserves it. But the other thing is that you can give as many points as you want. So you can give negative 10,000 to someone positive uh, 50,000 to someone. Um, there's no scale really, but that's meant to be the structure. So we were hoping that maybe you'd like to cast your votes
2: for that Chelsea game. Okay. So you have to walk me through that again. So the <laughs> it is the most convoluted <laughs> voting
3: system.
2: <laughs> on the, so, so, um, uh, the, what can I give you, uh, I'll give you. I can't really remember the game that well. I mean, I know, I know that we we had our opportunities. One nil, defended resolutely, and i'd I'd give I'd give Kane as our best player. Cool, all right. Um, and what, what do I do? Give him some points. He gets
1: three votes for the right. medal. So I'd say yeah.
2: Kane, right? and 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 I'd say this and I mentioned it on the pod as well previously, but that it's sometimes football is a supremely tactical affair. And sometimes it's about moments of brilliance, right? And these are cliched things, right? Mm. But the times we got at Chelsea was because one of our better players did something brilliant. And Kane, there was a specific moment, I think it was just before we had second penalty disallowed, but it was one where Kepa come out and pushed it out. Mm. Um, where he he beat the midfield with, with two free touches. He took out their entire midfield and we was he was away and he played the ball across. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of other instances and the goal, which you know wasn't a clear and obvious error, so should have been given. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, and it feels like he's coming back to the fore so I, w- I would give I would give Kane that as well. Um I thought Sanchez did did okay in a very difficult situation, mm-hmm. so I would say Sanchez as well. Mm-hmm. Other than that, that's fucking Hard to say, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a the tough challenge. game, it's a tough game to give out yeah. this one, yeah. Awards I'm giving out awards, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hang on a second, uh, right? Let's just have a quick look at Um, no, I don't got anyone else.
1: <laughs> that's right, any neg- that's fine, that's fine. That's that's how uh, the medal works, it's responsive to uh. Yeah, how, how the um, gameplay
2: negative? Yep. I would say Emerson, mm-hmm. and I don't want to, I don't want to get on his back too much, but um, because he, he started, just started. But I'd say Emerson, um, and I'd say Matt Doherty even though again playing out of position on the left hand side, a lot of injuries and whatnot, and Gallini as well because he was completely at fault for the goal in two <laughs> games as well. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Am I actually am I, am I mixing that up with Morecambe No, nah, it
3: was, was Golini he well, came oh, out yeah, oh yeah, and He was flapping around like an albatross and just missed
2: everything, yes. <laughs> and it right. was
3: it was not good.
2: So those are yeah. And, and other than that, I don't really know what else to say about it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, neither do I. To be honest with you, it was just after that first goal went in, and it was kind of like if I wasn't doing this podcast, I would have probably turned it off. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. Uh,
2: I'd, I'd give I'd give some bonus points to Maxim past. Kotsky who I've never heard of, but made our bench. <laughs> oh, he's a, he's like a young defender, right back or something like that. Right. I feel like he played well, in a
3: preseason game or something. Oh, I
2: just earlier. googled him. In he's in this season's kit. He looks about six years old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give him. I'll give him plus thirty points. Excellent <laughs> for making our bench <laughs> and being six years old. <laughs> That uh I wonder how, <laughs> if he wins, that can he win uh, from that? I don't know. Is that a lot?
1: What I've done? It's I, a lot. I've fucked up your competition. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I think uh, I think Barty gave Kane negative two hundred when he was on. So um, also to mm. be
3: fair, we've we've stuffed up this competition a long time ago. So
2: mm, it's it's really not. There's
3: no integrity left in it.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I stand by my decision. Then. Yeah. Fantastic. Um,
1: Well, I'll go very quickly with my votes. Uh, Plus three I'm going to give to uh, Timo Werner for continuing to be the reincarnation of Roberto Soldado. Um, It's just fascinating to watch yet another striker come into the Premier League and seemingly (laughs) forget how to play. Uh, Apart from that, like, again, it's tough. Um, (laughs) It's really tough. I'll give two to Harry Winks Um, and no one. Encouragement award. I'm going to give to Conte so that he uh, no longer plays Doherty on the opposite side. Um, so that's that doesn't make sense, does it? Because I'm rewarding him. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, negative votes uh, to uh, who was the ref again? It was um, Mariner, wasn't it? Andre Mariner? Was yeah. that right? Andre Mariner, yeah. Yeah, just get one call right so it doesn't have to go to VAR. Um, and then I give negative 3,000 to VAR. That's
2: the end. Yeah, Um yeah. I, it's a funny thing though, because like you know, you, we heart your heart back to the semi-finals. We beat Arsenal two thousand eight, two thousand two. We beat Chelsea five one, and 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 these are times before VAR existed. If VAR did not exist, we would have had three goals in that game, and God mm. knows what else would have happened. Mm. So while VAR got everything absolutely correct, <laughs> I still fucking hate it and wish it didn't exist. Yeah, it's awful. It's, no, it's, it's horrendous.
3: Yeah, um, it's, it's just shit. It's, it's so just boring. Ruined. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it feels as well because we've had like VAR was excellent when it ruled out Sterling's goal
2: mm. in the championship. Absolutely, that was the. That, yeah, that was good.
3: That was the best invention I've ever seen at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Like that was amazing. Yeah. But yeah. when you get a run of a few games where you you feel like calls have sort of gone against you, uh, it just becomes like you stop celebrating, like because a goal scored and you're like, all right it looks like we were onside here, but I'm sure there's going to be something where it's like, it's clipped like uh, pinky 10 minutes ago and they're going back to that and sort of ruling it out. So I think the thing I dislike most about it is just the fact that like, it, it takes some emotion out of the game of, you know, you're always just waiting for that check <laughs> and you're just panicking to make sure that like, all right, there hasn't been a check here, which is, you know, going to rule this goal out.
2: Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's just uh we i mean it's, i'm not going to say anything that anybody else hasn't, hasn't said but yeah totally. you, you c- celebrating a goal has been and which is without shadow of doubt fundamentally the most beautiful and important thing about football is celebrating goals for that to be impacted so that things are as correct as possible even though a lot of it is still completely subjective it's it's a shame that that's happened and it has damaged it And, you know, fundamentally, and I've said this again multiple times, is the reason why football exists is is, is because people want to watch it. And if you do something that damages that experience, then that is sacrilege. Because rule makers and referees, they have a function, but they're not the reason why football exists. They are paid because people want to watch it. And this decision to bring it in has damaged that experience. And... It's just it's just a shame.
3: And we, can, we can't imagine as well, like, well, the difference that would be of actually being in the ground. Because, like, watching it on TV, obviously you get a certain experience of it. But being in the ground when that happens and, like, all the energy and emotion that sort of gets built up by that. Like, I've only been to two Spurs games in 2009 um, at the Old Lane. Uh, the first one was against Liverpool, the start of the season. And the second one, I think, was Southampton where,
2: like, Huddleston scored, like, a screamer off the crossbar. Um, it was 2009. Was that when, was that Cissé? Did Cissé score and Defoe scored for us? Is that right? For the Liverpool game? Yeah. Uh,
3: I think. First uh, game of the season. I think mm, Asu yeah. uh, Akoto scored. Sort of the, left foot the top one corner. No, I think it was 2-1. I think we won that one. 2-1, uh, okay. All right. Um, but I just remember the feeling there of being in that same, just like like I, I hung around for about you know, 30, 40 minutes after the game had finished because I was just sitting there still just soaking it up. And the yeah. security guard had to come up to me and be like, mate, you've just got to and I was sitting right behind the director's box. And I'm just sitting yeah. there and everyone else is gone. He's like, mate, you just have to like leave. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, no, this, is no, no. Now, yeah <laughs> this is getting weird now, mate. Yeah. Just let me enjoy it. Let me enjoy it. But so I just couldn't imagine like, you know, the the all the energy in that, like being in the stadium, having that happen, score a goal and then getting it removed is yeah. Uh, it's just um like you said, we're not saying anything new here, but it's just I think the constant frustration that's gonna keep coming up again and again and again. Um, mm. for the until the end of time or the end of football whatever happens first
1: yeah yeah totally so if we're aware that uh we've we've uh, used you up with your time that you've got and want to say thanks so much for uh coming on obviously the everyone who listens to this should listen to the fighting cock it is a fantastic podcast is there anything else you want to like plug or say or whatever
2: uh, no, I, I'll plug um, – do another podcast called James and Flav for now, which is generally about football, um, not just – so if you've had a fill of Spurs stuff, then we do a podcast that's about football generally, talking about all kinds of things. So, yeah, go, uh, yeah. anyone who's listened to Spurs pods and want to hear more Spurs pods, then, uh, yeah, the Fighting Cock. But other than that, the James and Flav for now, which you can see on YouTube, yeah, check that out. That would be good. Yeah, great. Also, the,
1: the Windy and Flav pod, uh, was that 15 – is it called 15 Minutes? Um, yeah, 15 that, minutes. That's also just phenomenal. Like, it's just so Thank good you. to hear two people just <laughs> talking honestly with each other, which unfortunately is like quite a rare occurrence. So, definitely
2: check that out. Cheers, boys. Just a quick question before we go. What, um, you live in, so New South Wales is that entire region, isn't it?
3: No, that's uh, Sydney's in New, Thou- New South Wales. Yeah, New South Wales.
2: We're in Victoria. And you're Victoria. Yeah. Just below that. Okay. Yeah. Right. What I'm interested in is are there any sort of great white sharks and stuff in the sea there? Oh, oh.
1: no! So, so I'm from Perth originally, which is on the other side. There are hundreds. It is oh. full on. Like <laughs> – I, I absolutely s- love sharks. Oh, I man. Just,
2: I, I love them. Yeah, yeah. They. So I, have, did you, did you go seen, swimming? Did you ever go swimming in the
1: seas? I used to – when is I was it- in high school, uh, I used to go surfing every single day um, and I have seen what I think was – I've seen sharks <laughs> – and I tell the story as if I have seen a great white shark. I don't know whether I actually have. Um, yeah. But it is so scary when you're out there. It's so fucking Wait, the, scary. I,
2: the idea of knowing that there are great white sharks in the sea, right, and then yeah. going in and going surfing in the sea every day, I just don't know how people do it. I, I used to go – We when I was at uni- university, when I was at university, I i used to go um, – we used to go surfing in mm. Cornwall. Oh, yeah. it, it was bitterly, bitterly cold, but it was – it was fun. Like we'd go over to, and I can't surf, but it was such an. Amazing, you'll know it's it's an incredible thing mm. going surfing, especially like at really early morning. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but and I know there was no dangerous sharks in there, but fuck me, my mind was doing <laughs> like I'd be looking in the water around, going, well, "That was definitely a shark." And like, there's never been a shark attack in England ever. But I'm, I was thinking, I'm going to be the first one. I'm going to be <laughs> the first one where it happened. The worst thing but is that it.
1: being in Australia, that you'll be out there. And I remember one time we were out. And it was the sun was going down, and I remember this old fella going, "Boys, boys!" And we were like, "What? The f- what, what does this guy want?" And he was like, "Boys, you want to come in?" And we we're like, "What?" And then we came in. He was like, "Shark!" And we we're like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like, <laughs> start, with <that. laughs> yeah. start with that. Start with that. Start with that. Are you kidding? Horrific. Well, Absolutely horrific.
2: The- I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever get get over to Australia. Hopefully one day, but um. Yeah, and the, the and it's like isn't New South Wales like the there's more fucking things that can kill you in New South Wales than anywhere else in 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 the in the world, right? Like,
3: oh, I'll buy that fact.
2: Yeah, I'd buy like, that. We fact. Talk, we
3: have a lot of poisonous animals and yeah. spiders
2: and snakes and snakes and all that sort of stuff. There's, like, yeah, lot of snakes. And yeah, yeah, man, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. I'm just looking at the maps now, but <laughs> non non Binny Nature Reserve. I bet there's loads of fucked up things there. <laughs>
3: Oh, it's crazy! It's like when you, whenever you end up a place like places like that. If you're going on a road trip and you stop by some, you know, picturesque thing, there's always like some warning sign there, which is like, "Beware of the rabbit snake." And you're like, "What the hell is that?" And then you read about it, and it's something which is like, (laughs) if it sniffs you, it will kill you with its toxins. And it's like, it's nuts. It's Uh, ridiculous.
2: And the other thing that amazes me about Australia is the. I mentioned it in the pod, but Alice Springs, like being bang in the... Is it pretty much bang in the middle of... Yeah, it's pretty close. And it's really hot. Yeah. And there's there's nothing there other than a landing strip and a small... Is it a city? Yeah. Alice Springs is weird because it's like in the
1: middle of nowhere, they've got uh, an airport, but then it's like such a... uh, weirdly like half town half city where (laughs) there's also like a lot of stuff going on like more so than like Perth is I think two or three million people live there and it is the most boring place on earth and then Alice Springs has got 500,000 or maybe and it's like there's just shit happening all the time so it's kind of like a definitely a cool place to visit
2: yeah Mm. Melbourne looks amazing though I'm just looking at pictures now it looks like a, a beautiful place yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne's yeah. good. Melbourne's, yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Melbourne's good. Melbourne's all good. Yeah, Melbourne's all good. Melbourne's
3: <laughs> all <laughs> good. Nothing. Oh, there's stuff happening here, but nothing that'll
2: kill you. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, cheers, boys. Thanks so much.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much for being on, Flav. Um, uh, as always, I've been Barney. I've been thank been God. Uh, and come on, you Spurs. Thank you for listening.
3: You've been listening to A Bit Spursy. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Email us at hello at and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms.